0: Chapter Thirteen of A Guest at the Ludlow by Bill Nye. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Thirteen: Summer BORDERS and Others. We kept summer boarders the past season," said Orlando McCusick of East Courtwright to me as we sat in the spring house and drank cold milk from a large yellow bowl with white stripes around it we kept boarders from town all summer in the catskills and that is why i don't figure on doing of it this year you fellers that writes the pieces and makes the pictures of us folks what keeps the boarders has got the laugh on us as a general thing but i would like to be interviewed a little for the press so's that i can be set right before the american people well if you will state the case fairly and honestly i will try to give you a chance in the first place, said Orlando, taking off his boot and removing his jackknife, which had worked its way through his pocket and down his leg, then squinting along the new tap with one eye to see how it was wearing before he put it on, I did not know how healthy it was here until I read in a railroad pamphlet, I guess you call it, where it says that the relation of temperature to oxygen in a certain quantity of air is of the highest importance. In a cubic foot it says of air at three thousand feet elevation with a temperature of thirty two degrees there is as much oxygen as in a like amount of air at sea level with a temperature of sixty five degrees another important fact that should not be lost sight of this able feller says by those affected by pulmonary diseases is that three or four times as much oxygen is consumed in activity as in repose Hence the hornets' nests introduced by me last season, then, in climates made stimulating by increased electric tension and cold, activity must be followed by an increased endosmos of oxygen. So you decided to select and furnish endosmos of oxygen to sufferers. Yes, I went into it with no notions of making a pile of money, but I argued that these folks would give anything for help we folks are apt to argue that people from town are all well off and liberal and that if they can come out and get all the buttermilk and straw rides they want and a little flush of colour and a wood tick on back of their necks they don't wreck a pesky wreck what it costs this is only occasionally so ask any doctor you know of if the average man won't give anything to save his life and then when it's saved put his property into his woman's name that's human you know the good book says a pure man from new york is the noblest work of god well when did this desire to endosmos your fellow man first break out on you about a year and a half ago it began to rankle in my mind i read up everything i could get hold of regarding the longevity and such things to be had here in the winter i sent in a fair honest advertisement regarding my place in judas h priest before i could say scat in the spring here came letters by the dozen mostly from school teachers at first that had a good command of language but did not come i afterwards learned that these letters was frequently wrote by folks that was not able to go to the country so wrote these letters for mental improvement hoping also that someone in the country might want them for the refinement they would engender in the family i took one young woman from town once and allowed her twenty-five per cent off for her refining influence her name was etiquette mccracken she knew very little in the first place and had added to it a good deal by storing up in her mind a lot of membranous theories and damaged facts that ought to have been looked over and disinfected she was the most hopeless case i ever saw mr nye she was a metropolitan ass you know that a town greenhorn is the greenest greenhorn in the world because he can't be showed anything he knows it all well etiquette mccracken very nigh paralyzed what few manners my children had she pointed at things at table and said she wanted some of that and she had a sort of starved way of eating and short breath and seemed all the time apprehensive she probably et off the top of a flour-barrel at home she came and stayed all summer at our house with a wardrobe which was in a shawl wrap wrapped up in a program of one of them big theaters on Bowery Street. I guess she led a gay life in the city. She said she did. She said if her set was at our house, they would make it ring with laughter. I said if they did, I'd ring their cussed necks with laughter. Why, she says, don't you like merriment? Yes, I says, I like merriment well enough, but the cackle of a vacant mind rattling around in a big farmhouse makes me a fiend and unmans me and i gnaw up two or three people a day till i get over it i says well what became of miss mccracken oh she went up to her room in september dressed herself in a long linen duster did some laundry work and the next day with her little shawl-wrap she lit out for the city where she was engaged to marry a very wealthy old man whose mind had been crowded out by an intellectual tumor but who had a kind heart and had pestered her to death for years to marry him and inherit his wealth i afterwards learned that in this matter she had lied did you meet any other pleasant people last season yes i met some blooded children from several hundred and fifth street they came out here so's they could get a breath of country air and wear out their old clothes their mother said the poor things wanted to get out of the malstrom of metropolitan life she said it was awful where they lived, just one round of gaiety all the while. They came down and salted my hens, and then took and turned in and chased a new milk cow eight miles, with two of them holdin of her by the tail, and another on top of her, with a pair of buffalo bill spurs and a false face, yelling like a volunteer fire company. Then the old lady kicked because we run short of milk said it was great if she couldn't have milk when she come to the wilderness to live and paid her little old three dollars a week just as regular as saturday night come round those boys picked on mine all summer because my boys was plain little fellers with no underwear but good impulses and a general desire to lay low and eventually get there understand my boys is considerable bleached as regards hair and freckled as to features and they are not ready in conversation like a town boy but they would no more drive a dumb animal through the woods till it was all head up or take a new milk cow and scare the daylights out of her and yell at her and pull out her tail and send her home with her pores all open than they'd be sent to the legislature without a crime a neighbor of mine that see these boys when they was scaring my cow to death said if they'd have been his'n he'd rather foller em to their grave than see em do that that's putting of it rather strong but i believe i would myself we had a nice old man that come out here to attend church he said he belonged to a big church in town where it cost him so much that he could hardly look his maker in the face he said last winter he told us they sold the pews at auction and he had an affection for one specially cause he and his wife had sat in it all their lives and now that she was dead he wanted it as he wanted the roof that had been over them all their married lives so he went down when they auctioned him off as it seems they do in those big churches and the bidding started moderate but run up till they put a premium on his'n that froze him out and he had to take a cheap one where he couldn't hear very well and it made him sort of bitter then in may he says the palestine rash broke out among the preachers in new york and most of em had to go to the holy land to get over it because that is the only thing you can do with a palestine rash when it gets a hold on a pastor so he says to me i come out here mostly to see if i could get any information from the throne of grace he was a rattling fine old feller and told me a good deal about one thing and another he said he'd seen it stated in the paper that salvation was free but in new york he said it was pretty well protected for an old established industry he knew deacon decker pretty well deacon decker was an old playmate of russell sage but didn't do so well as russ did he went once to new york after he got along in years and sage knew him and he couldn't seem to place sage why decker says sage don't you know me decker says that's all right you bet i know ye you're one of these fellers that knows everybody there's another feller around the corner that helps you to remember folks i know ye i read the papers get out scat torment ye i ain't in here to-day buyin green goods nor yet to lift a freight bill for ye so i vaunt before i stick the police on ye finally russ identified himself and shook dice with the deacon to see which should buy the lunch at the dairy kitchen this is a true story told me by an old neighbour of deacon decker's deacon decker once discovered a loose knot in his pew in the church and while considering the plan of redemption thoughtlessly pushed with considerable force on his knot with his thumb at first it resisted the pressure but finally it slipped out and was succeeded by the deacon's thumb no one saw it so the deacon slightly flushed gave it a stealthy wrench but the knot-hole had a sharp conical bottom and the edge soon caught and secured the rapidly swelling thumb of deacon decker during the closing prayer he worked at it with great diligence and all the saliva he could spare but it resisted it was a sad sight finally he gave up and said to himself the struggle was useless he tried to be resigned and wait till all had gone he shook his head when the plate was passed to him and only bowed when the brethren passed him on the way out some thought that maybe he was cursed with doubts but reckoned they would pass away finally he was missed outside he was generally so chipper and so cheery so his wife was asked about him why father's inside i'll go and get him i never knew him to miss shaking hands with all the folks so she went in and found deacon decker trying to interest himself with a lesson leaf in one hand while his other was concealed under his hat he could fool the neighbors, but he could not fool his wife, and so she hustled around and told one or two who told their wives, and they all came back to see the deacon and make suggestions to him. This little incident is true, and while it does not contain any special moral, it goes to show that an honest man gathers no moss, and also explains a large circular hole, and the tin patch over it, which may be seen in the pew where Deacon Decker used to sit. End of chapter 13, read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.